This podcast is brought to you by Crisp. It is a software that automatically mutes background noise in any communication app. No more embarrassing dog barks, traffic noises, crying babies, and family chatters when you're doing your calls from home or the nearby cafe. With Crisp, those noises will be muted and your caller will not be able to hear any of them. Not only is it able to remove background noises, it can also even remove the ones coming from your caller. So all you get is high-quality audio without the distractions. Crisp supports any devices and over 800 apps such as Zoom, Teams and WebEx. Try out the world's best AI-powered noise-cancelling technology for free. Simply go to adriantan.com.sg crisp to get started. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Tan. On this show, I interview leaders and experts on how they are enabling the future of work and turn their insights into practical advice so that you will be ready for the future of work. If you're new to the show, I have episodes with mindfulness coach, HR tech vendors, leaders, and many more. When it comes to professional personal branding, it does not stop after creating a LinkedIn profile. The difference between a LinkedIn user and a recognized expert are the amount of content that the experts put up consistently. And my guest today, Joe Escobedo, aims to make it easier for everyone to learn how to create the kind of engaging LinkedIn content to drive traffic and elevate your positioning. Hi, Joe. Thank you for coming on to the show. Hey, Adrian. Thanks so much for having me. Most recently, you have created a LinkedIn training program, which we're going to talk about it later on. So help us to understand in, in the marketing world, especially on your focus in LinkedIn, why LinkedIn specifically and what has drawn you to it? So that's a very good question. I mean, I've been active on LinkedIn for over 10 years now, now more than I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, but it's always been a valuable tool for me. And the reason it's so valuable for me is every job I've ever gotten is literally through LinkedIn. It's been through my network or it's what I'm connected to. And that has translated to owning my own business. So now that I own my own business, every client that I've gotten is someone who's seen me on LinkedIn, who has uh, watched my content and said, okay, let's see what you know Joe and his team are up to. So that's been an invaluable tool in terms of building my own career as well as my business now. And when it comes to building your business through LinkedIn, why is it a better platform than traditionally how people would do it through email, through cold calling? What has changed that led to a boom in using LinkedIn as a better alternative? So I think that one of the advantages of LinkedIn, it does have a monopoly in terms of the B2B space as well as kind of professional networking. You don't really have the same kind of options on maybe a Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or other platforms. So I think that has that monopoly in terms of that that audience. But I would say I always tell people that LinkedIn should be one of your channels. For me, it's my primary social media channel, but I also have a newsletter. So for example, those who you know are connected with me, who are consuming my content on LinkedIn, and they want more information, and they want the kind of best of recap every week, then they'll sign up for my newsletter. So that's another way in which I try to provide value um, across a different channel. But I think in terms of top of the funnel awareness, LinkedIn is my go-to channel for that. You mentioned earlier on it's a B2B channel. So for people who are new to LinkedIn, who would be suitable to jump onto this platform and who wouldn't be suitable? So I think it's it depends on what your objectives are. I think if your objective is from a personal point of view, so building your own personal brand, getting new career opportunities, I think it's open to anyone. 
if it's from a professional point of view, for example, you're trying to market or sell your products or services, then B2B tends to be more preferable on LinkedIn. But with that said, I see a lot of successful, maybe premium or luxury brands who are doing very well on LinkedIn for the reason that because it's a network of professionals, professionals also need maybe you know, luxury watches or flights on Singapore Airlines or things like that. So there still is room for B2C, but I think traditionally from a marketing and sales perspective, it's done very, very well in the B2B space. Obviously, getting onto LinkedIn is quite a low-hanging fruit. Anyone could just go in, fill up the form and have an account. But having said that, not two profiles are equal. And some people would just create an account, leave it blank, not even have a photo and think that they have nailed it LinkedIn. So what are some of the common mistakes that you're seeing from people who are not familiar with LinkedIn and just try to jump into it and think that they nailed it? So that's a very good question. I think LinkedIn does a very good job now of giving you a different status. So the more you fill out your profile, the better the, the platform thinks you're doing. It'll give you a different status. So I think there's an all-star status and different other statuses. So that'll give you an initial gauge in terms of how well you're performing, at least in terms of the setup. But obviously, you got to have the, the basics. I always focus, if you do nothing else, focus on top of the fold, which is your profile photo, your headline, and possibly a banner. Because these are the things that people initially see. And then beyond that, it's important, obviously, that you have an up-to-date title and a little bit about what you do. That should be the bare minimum. Now, once you do that, you start taking those boxes. What I always encourage people to do is to start getting testimonials or recommendations. Because this is where the power of social proof really comes in. Because it's one thing if I have an impressive headline and I say, you know what, I'm an expert in content marketing or social selling, et cetera, et cetera. But then you go through my profile and, you know, there's no recommendations, there's no endorsements, there's no kind of third-party testimonials to really back it up. So that's kind of the next level. But before that, I think people should be focusing on top of the funnel, which was the headline, the profile photo, possibly the banner and then making sure that your title is updated. Getting testimonial definitely would provide the right social proof for anyone's LinkedIn profile. But having said that, getting testimonial could be very tough because it is entirely out of your control other than nudging someone to consider writing a testimonial for you. Based on your understanding, are there any tricks or tips you could give to individuals who are keen to uh, populate more testimonials on their profile but do not know how to encourage people to write it for them? Yes, absolutely. So a couple of different things I always recommend for clients, one of which is timing is extremely important. So asking for a testimonial when your either your boss, your client is in a good mood. So for example, you have just completed a successful project and they're very happy with you. That could be a prime time to say, you know, what, thank you so much for your support. Really appreciate it. If you could do me just a small favor and write a break brief recommendation, I would really, really appreciate that. So once again, if the timing is good, if they're in a good mood, they're going to be far more inclined to write that testimonial. So do it right after you have a successful project or something that showcases your success within the organization or with that client. The second thing we try to focus on is really making it as easy as possible for the other person to write it. So there's a couple of different ways in which you can do that. Let's say that you have received an email con congratulating you on your excellent work. What I would do is I would just reply to that person and say, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your kind words. Could I ask a small favor? And all you do is copy and paste this 
into a LinkedIn testimonial. I'll send you the link. That's all you have to do, hit submit. It's that easy. So once again, making the process as easy as possible is another way. Another way if you want to take it even further is just to have them jot down bullet points. So, you know, why do they enjoy working with you? What has been the biggest value they've accrued from the partnership? And then you could offer to write that on their behalf and say, look, I'm happy to write it. All you have to do is let me know kind of the points that you want me to get across. I'll write it, send it to you. If you're okay with it, then just feel free to copy and paste it into your profile. So I think those two tips can greatly impact the quality and quantity of testimonials you're receiving. One of the things that I personally did uh, some time back was to uh, write testimonial for other people that I hope would write testimonial back to me. It, it, so the, the thing that I'm aiming to achieve is by writing one for them, they would somehow feel obligated to write one in return. Uh, but of course, then the trouble is, what do I write? And I fortunately came across this tool called Performance Review Generator. It's quite of a hack here. And essentially, this page has quite a number of attributes. You just have to take the, the right attributes, hit the Generate button, and they'll come up with a copy. Not for you to turn it into copy pasta and just put it across, but you can. it's much easier to customize from there. I'll be happy to put this in the show notes so everyone can take a look. Yeah, I, I would love to take a look at that as well. I think the more hacks, more cool tools... Um, you can use to make the process as simple as possible. And I think it's great. And I think to your point, yes, absolutely. So the rule of reciprocity, if I do something for you, then you know, you're far more inclined to do something for me. So I think that's, that's something that I try to do as well. I think I actually have more, I've given more testimonials than I've received. I've received quite a lot, but I think I've actually given more to your point on that. The key genesis of your uh, training program is really about creating engaging content on LinkedIn. And I think content piece is really the key differentiation across many different profiles. And the ones that are getting the more traffic, they are they really are putting out a lot of content out there, be it video, uh, a poll, or maybe some newsletter. And for, for people who are new to content, it might seem very overwhelming for them, especially for people who are not accustomed to writing. How would an individual start working on content or even start planning out the content what should they write about as an individual who's just out in the market maybe trying to look for a job or maybe just trying to test out linkedin for the first time what is the one thing or the few things they should look into to idea and to generate those content yes so that's a very very good question this is something we talk about in the online course as well as the offline one so it's really really important that you understand the audience and i know that seems very very common sense but you would be surprised how many people forget that when they're creating content. So in the course, I talk about the difference between selfish, which is content made basically for yourself to look good, and selfless. So selfless is more in terms of valuable content that's actually providing some kind of practical resources or tips for the community or your audience. So there's a big difference between the two. And I think if you want to create more selfless content, it's important that you really understand who your audience is. So for example, if you are trying to get a job, you need to understand what kind of role, what kind of industry, and really narrow it down. So let's say I want to get a marketing role in a tech company. You know, obviously read the publications, see what are the common topics that are coming up, speak with people in the in that space to find out, you know, what are their common challenges, what are some of the things they struggle with. Another tool that I use, because uh, I'm a big on, you know, different hacks, is there's a tool called AnswerSocrates.com. And we can include the link in the show notes as well. But what that does is all you have to do is enter a keyword. So let's say I say B2B marketing. 
and then I can have a dropdown that says Singapore. And I can see all the frequently asked questions that people are asking on Google and other search platforms. And then the easiest way and most powerful way of creating content is really FAQs, so frequently asked questions. So if you can go in there and you can say, okay, I can answer a couple of these questions. Let's break each of these posts into one specific question. And that can be a great way to get started. And the beauty of social media and LinkedIn in general is it's an experimentation tool. It's a research tool. So based on the content you're putting out, you'll see what your audience is reacting to. So are they sharing it? Are they commenting it? Are they engaging with it? If so, you're on the right track. If not, you might have to pivot a little bit and see, okay, what other angles can I, can I take? But I think I always recommend people when they're just starting out, leverage those FAQs, speak to your audience, and really understand who they are. Because that's the biggest, biggest mistake I see. Unless you're a Gary V, again, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's very well known in the marketing space, he goes very, very broad. But that's because he's already built a very diehard uh, marketing audience. So now that he's kind of saturated that audience, he can go very broad. And he can talk about you know, leadership and motivation and all that, all that broad stuff. But when you get just getting started out, I always recommend you go niche rather than broad. And for people who are already creating content, they're bombarded with variety of options right now on LinkedIn. As I mentioned earlier on videos, you can do content, you can do articles, you can do newsletter, you can run polls. And I'm even seeing people repurposing TikTok video onto LinkedIn. What are some of the better ways of engaging with audience on LinkedIn right now, given that there are so many users. If I'm not wrong, the last time I came across some research in Singapore alone, there are more than 2 million LinkedIn users, all fighting for the same traffic on the newsfeed. So how does one stand out from another person in the same field based on the content or based on the mode of delivery of the content? Yeah, so it's a very good point. I'll talk about mode of delivery, but I think the first and most important thing is consistency. I think I always try to set expectations with anyone who attends any of my courses that it's not a one-off thing. It's not where you create one post and, you know, hiring managers are going to come flooding your door, your doors or, you know, clients are going to come knocking down your door. It just does not work like that. There has to be, like, like any favorite TV show or Netflix series, there has to be a cadence and consistency of what you're doing. So let's say that people know that you post two or three times a week and you continue that going. After a while, you're going to build up that familiarity and that consistency and awareness among that audience. So consistency is extremely important. If you're not doing this, then the other tips I'm going to share won't really matter. In terms of mode of delivery or formats, I think one thing that I always recommend is to use native either videos or native images, documents, and so on. So native images, videos, and so on are those who are embedded, uploaded, sorry, directly to LinkedIn. So there's a difference between native and linked. So linked is if I link to a YouTube video or I link to a third-party video. The reason for that is it does have an impact on the algorithm and your reach because you know all social media platforms, how they make money is selling ads. So when they are selling ads, they want you to stay on the platform as long as possible. So you know if you are watching a video or you are reading a post on the platform, that you know is better for them and it's better for you as well too. So what most of the social media platforms do not like you doing is creating links where you have to jump to another platform. So if you can create you know a blog post and you have all the information you can put it into a post itself, a LinkedIn post, that's even better. If you need to link to it, 
I always recommend linking in the comments. It's kind of a, a hack that many people already know about, but I think it does have an impact in terms of the reach um, in your content. And talking about the last hack, that's also something that I like to touch on. Once you already have the, the right content to push it out there, any tips or hack you can apply other than the one you mentioned that could somehow be aligned to LinkedIn algorithm of pushing it up or out to more audience? So I think like any algorithm, it all goes back to the speed in which you're getting engagement. So like YouTube and other platforms, what they look for is you know, within the first couple of hours, who is engaging with it? So let's say a couple of hacks you could do is you could tag people. So let's say you are mentioning people in your post. Maybe you've interviewed someone for a podcast. I'd go ahead and tag them. I might give them a heads up before saying, hey, I'm going to post a snippet of our, of our video together. So they have that so they can engage immediately. The more engagement you can get on early on, it's going to be stronger in terms of the algorithm. But with that said, I think LinkedIn has done a very, very good job of kind of having more evergreen content. So that term doesn't really exist in social media, but I think LinkedIn does a good job of it. So for example, I posted something about a couple weeks ago and it's still getting traction today because, you know, one person keeps commenting, another piece keeps coming a couple days later, and that kind of continues the exposure. So like anything else, the more you can get it early on, that's the best. But if you can sustain that, so if you can prolong your responses, let's say someone comments, and you reply to that one person next day. Another person comments. You reply to their person the other day. So I think sustaining that conversation as long as possible, if it is a good post, can help in terms of the reach for the algorithm. I know of platforms like Lampot. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but uh, which tries to artificially create that kind of uh, crowdsourcing of uh, boosts, of likes, of comments. So a platform like that would make sense for people who wish to, in a way, use pit acquisitions to really drive up their, their content to the audience? Yeah, so that's a bit of a controversial one. I, I'm not a huge, I think, I forgot what they're called, something like like pods or something like that, where it's a community of people and they're getting together and they're just liking each other's stuff. The, the challenge with that is it can seem quite artificial, to like you said. So if it's the same people commenting on every single post, then if I'm looking at it from a viewer's point of view, I, I get a bit skeptical and I say, okay, is this really a good piece of content or is it just, you know, is it one of those pods where it's the same people commenting, so it kind of dilutes the the power of kind of the engagement they're getting? So that's the only caveat I would say is I wouldn't. I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't really do it. I would rather get it organically. But I know some people who, you know, are paying or they're part of a community where, you know, they have a WhatsApp group and they say, okay, hey guys, here's my new post. Go ahead and like it, and everyone will, and they'll kind of just like each other's posts and things like that. There are different tools, but I don't necessarily using them myself so i don't really encourage them for my students another tool that you may also know but get your take on would be tools that leverage or writes on linkedin to automatically send out messages and invite so you don't have to do it on a one-to-one -one basis so some tools allow you to send up to 100 invites a day 300 messages a day automatically with all the mailman's functions and all that what's your personal opinion of such tool so once again, I, I am a bit anti these for a couple different reasons. I think the problem with social media and building a brand is it doesn't happen overnight. So there are no shortcuts when you're doing it. I mean, I think it's, it's in theory, it's a great tool. There are repercussions. So for example, if you send too many, you could get your LinkedIn account temporarily blocked or permanently blocked. 
So a lot of these tools will try to guide you in terms of how many you can do to stay under the radar. But that's always a, a risk you're taking when you are automating or you are using a bot that, you know, LinkedIn could potentially flag it or they could block your account for extended period of time. And I've seen it happen before with some accounts. So that's the only caveat for that. The other thing is in terms of the messaging as well, too. So if it's extending invites, you know, I think it makes sense. I think where it gets a bit tricky is when people start sending automated messaging. So for example, it's like, you know, the same canned or spam messaging every time it's an introduction or every time it's uh, a sales pitch. Those get really, really annoying really quickly. And I think that's where kind of automation has gotten a bad name. So I think in terms of sending invites, I think it makes sense. Once again, really, really be careful in terms of the amount of invites you're sending. But beyond that, it's important to remember that it's all about quality over quantity. And this is a mistake I made early on in my LinkedIn kind of adventures, was I would just hit that that like button, or that, sorry, connect button, and I would just connect with everybody. And I think it, my audience got quite big, but was it the quality of the audience? So if I look at the people who are engaging, it's usually the same people, or extended beyond that. So what I've tried to do is a bit, be a bit more kind of prescriptive in the, the type of people I connect with, I look at it, are they in the same industry? Are they in the same geography? Are they people that are going to get value out of what I'm doing? If not, then I won't necessarily connect with them. They can still follow me. That's another tip you could do is you can switch your settings. So there's a button instead of says connect, it says follow. I think mine says follow. So they still you know, are able to follow me. They're still able to get my content. But I'm not going to spam their feed if they want, don't want to because it may not be a right fit on what I'm connecting, what I'm creating versus what it is they actually want to receive. So really be intentional about who you wish to connect and importantly, what kind of value you can drive across. And value, I guess, it could also be quite subjective because for someone who is a seasoned professional, obviously you have a lot to offer, your subject matter expertise, your industry experience. But what about an individual who may be, say, a fresh grad who is just started into the workforce for the very first time? How could he or she position their value proposition across to the audiences that they wish to connect? So I think it's a very good question. And I see some incredible, incredible young talent, um, particularly in, in Singapore content creators who are very active on, say, TikTok and are translating some of that stuff to LinkedIn, like you were saying. So I think that it really goes back to that concept of reverse mentoring. I think as much as young people would like to learn from the successful CEOs and entrepreneurs, I think successful entrepreneurs and CEOs would also like to learn from the youth. They would like to learn you know, what it is that they find interesting, what are the platforms that they're using. So I think there's a lot of value in young professionals sharing kind of the platforms they're using or sharing kind of the stuff that they've come across. I think the caveat is, you know, once again, they don't have to feel like they're a thought leader. I don't really like that term because I think anyone can be a, a thought leader. But I think it's important to share really your experience. So even if you are an interning, and I see a lot, a lot of kind of interns really missing out on this. They intern for like great companies like maybe PNG or Grab or Gojek, whatever it is. But they're not really sharing about their experience. They're not really sharing what their key learnings. And so for me, it's a missed opportunity to really build their brand. There is a couple young talent that I kind of look to who are doing this on a consistent basis, who are be sharing about their experience as a young professional, the trials, tribulations, their learnings. There are those who are sharing the tools. There are those who are sharing the projects they're working on. 
So one of which I follow is a young videographer. She is a videography company. I think she's early 20s. And she's constantly sharing these, you know, how-to tips or projects showcases. And they're very cool. They're very entertaining to watch. And I think that's something that young people can consider doing, overcoming the fear and saying, look, I'm not that experienced. I'm not have that much, you know, depth in terms of the field, but I can still go in and share my uh, experiences and still share my stories and my tips and people will still find value out of it. As you gaze into your crystal ball, what are some of the upcoming LinkedIn trends that you foresee might happen over 2021? Ah, so that's a that's an interesting one, and I I always tell people I'm not Nostradamus, so I don't try to provide any predictions. But one thing that is interesting to see, which you have probably seen already, is the the rise of Clubhouse and the amount of people talking about it on LinkedIn, particularly in the marketing space. It's it's really saturated the conversation. I have been a bit iffy on the platform. With that said, LinkedIn has invited me to that Clubhouse discussion they're having on March seventeenth. So I will be speaking at that, but that's interesting to see, you know, how people are using LinkedIn as a way to invite people to other platforms. So for example, they're using LinkedIn events, creating events, inviting people there, posting about it, but they're actually having the conversation off on different platforms. So that's interesting to see that people are using LinkedIn as a events promotion tool. I think that's been the case for many, many years in the B2B space, but I think more than ever, they're using some of the features like LinkedIn events, and they're getting a bit more crafty in terms of how do we promote events? How do we leverage it and drive traffic and registration and maybe other platforms like Clubhouse or a a private webinar they're doing? So that's something interesting that I've come across just recently. That's, that would be really interesting. So for people who would be putting some events together, LinkedIn might be a good channel for you to uh, try sharing the word out. And for people who's keen to learn more about your training course on uh, creating engaging LinkedIn content, where can they go to? Yeah, so it's all over my LinkedIn account, and I think that's probably the best way to connect with me. It's um, in the header currently. So I think that's probably the best because it's a little bit of a long URL. So we can include in the show notes, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to answer any questions or direct you to it. But that's probably the best way. Once again, it's all online. It's all self-serve. So if you are an individual looking to up your uh, LinkedIn game, you, you know, more than welcome to check it out. Thank you so much. I'll be adding this into the show notes so you can access it easily. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for your time today. Happy to be speaking with you again and I wish you all the success in your training course and in whatever you're trying to do. Thank you so much, Adrian. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.